0: Well, well, well. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good to see you guys. I I am so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here. You know, I must have wondered that some of you probably doing the worship, you're watching me over there like I'm playing drums. I'm a drummer want to be, okay? I'm a drummer want to be. And, uh, and so I love drums. In fact, my son is the one playing drums today. And, and I just love drums. And so when I get to heaven, I'm going to be the best drummer in heaven. And I love it. I love drums. And so anyway, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. Happy Easter, everybody. How are you? It's uh, every Sunday, listen, every day, listen, Jesus is alive every day, right? And I'm glad we don't just have to celebrate Easter on one day of the year, but every day Jesus is alive, and we really need to live our life as every day Jesus is alive. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. We're in this series called Rise, and I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and to get into a place where you have to trust God. Well, you have to trust Jesus. I'm going to challenge you today in that. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been stuck in an elevator? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you have been stuck in elevators. It's a very uncomfortable feeling, huh? And so some of you feel like that when you get stuck in an elevator and you're kicking and screaming and, and maybe you're like this next person. You just want to, I got to get out of here. You know, Get me out of this place. And some of you just resign yourself to the fact, well, that's the way it is. And so maybe you're going to sleep and you're just going to sleep in the elevator. Sometimes people live life as if they're stuck in an elevator. Sometimes people live their faith as if they're stuck in an elevator and they have all the technology to take them to the top, right? But they're stuck in the elevator. Their elevator is not going all the way to the top. Turn to your neighbor and say, your elevator's not going all the way to the top, (laughs) okay? That's not what I mean, okay, when it comes to what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is sometimes we live life as if we're stuck in the elevator. We, we live our faith as if we're stuck in the elevator and we've got everything that we need to go to the top, to rise, to, to rise above to an adventurous faith, but yet we stay stuck on the ground floor. Helen Keller made a great statement when she said, life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. And what I look at today in in the lives of people sometimes is that it's more like life is nothing at all, and there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no sense of adventure, there's no sense of excitement, and somewhere along the line, and maybe this is worst of all, is somewhere we lose the sense, we lose the ability, we lose the desire to follow God into deeper areas of life. We've lost the sense, we've lost the ability, we've lost the trust, and we've settled for just life as usual. And every day, it's the same old thing. You get up and you scarf down breakfast, you fight the traffic into work, you dread every hour, you're counting down the minutes before you can leave you're dreading traffic on the way home, you get home, you kick the cat, you eat dinner, you pet the dog, you watch TV, (laughs) that's what I believe, and you you watch TV and you check Facebook and Instagram and and LinkedIn and everything else that your email, everything else that can be checked, only to get up the next day and just do the same thing over and over again. It's boring. And there's no light. There's no sense of expectancy. And I just believe God created us for more than that. I mean, stop and think about it. Did Jesus really leave heaven and the splendor and the majesty of that place and come to this earth and rescue you and me from our sin, die on a cross then be buried in a tomb and then 3 days later to be raised and then give us the promise that he's going to return one day and take us home to heaven did he do all of that did he promise all of that so that you and I could live a dull drab boring meaningless uneventful faith i don't think so i don't think so i think that that god has more for us and so i have i've given you this verse that i want to be etched into your memory before we leave this series, which is next week. It be the last week in this series. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to read this with me. And, and again, just pay really close attention as you read these words. These are so powerful. Let's, let's read 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life, And have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. If I were to ask you to describe a brand new life, because Jesus is alive, what words would you use to describe that brand new life? Would, would it be words like excitement and enthusiasm and trust and belief and, 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 uh, and, and hope and, and, and all of these words that, that that you know, like risk and, and adventure, all those words that, that call you to move out of something beyond the norm of everyday life? Or would it be words like boring and same-o, same-o, ho-hum and, you know, dull and drab and all that stuff? this brand new life that Jesus has given to us because he's conquered the grave. I want to stop and pause here for just a moment, and I want to say a word to those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, if you haven't yet crossed the line of faith, my prayer is that you will do so. I really hope you will. I sincerely pray that you will make that decision. Because honestly, life without Jesus is no life at all. Jesus is your life. And Jesus is the one who rescued you from your sin. Jesus is the one who's returning and is going to fully redeem you and take you to heaven. And without Jesus, honestly, life is meaningless. And so my prayer is that if you haven't, whatever is keeping you from giving your life over to Jesus, that, that you soon will make that decision. Let me say a word to those of you who have made the decision to follow Jesus. And, and I don't mean to be mean, and I don't mean to, to put a guilt trip on anyone, but could it be that one of the reasons that people who don't follow Jesus look at those of us who do follow Jesus, and what they see is, is, are people who have lost the amazement. They've lost the sense of wonder about who Jesus is and what he did for us, all that he's going to do for us. And we've lost that. I mean, we've been given everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts right now. But if you look at a lot of believers today, you know, they would look at that verse. I would look at them and think, you know, they've got nothing to live for. They've got a meaningless life. They don't have a future in heaven, and they've got nothing to live for today. And I just think that, that God has more for us than that. And I think God calls us to live this adventurous life and, and understand something, that the person speaking to you right now, uh, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm, my personality is that I like everything to stay the same. I like consistency. I don't really like a lot of change. And I just, I want to know what's happening. And, and I'm just kind of flatlined, okay? That really is my personality. But I don't want that to be the, the way my faith and my life is described. Because I, I think Jesus has more for us than just live a flatlined life. And we need to put ourselves out there where we're trusting him. Listen, nobody ever steps into an elevator with the intention of staying on ground floor, do they? And nobody ever steps into faith. They never choose to follow Jesus with the intention of living a boring, dull, passionless life. But yet that's what a lot of people settle for. And that's what happens to a lot of people. So so why is that? What keeps us stuck on ground floor? Let me share some thoughts with you. Here's the first one. One of them could be is is we've listened to the wrong voices. Somewhere along the line, maybe you've listened to the wrong voices. Maybe there was a time when you listened to God. Maybe there was a time when you trusted God. Maybe there was a time you followed God and, and you couldn't wait for the thrill of the next adventure. And and somewhere along the line, you lost it. You don't know when you lost it. All you know is that you lost it. And so no longer do you feel that. And maybe now you're starting to listen to the wrong voices. And when I talk about listening to the wrong voices, what I mean is people who, who are the dream stealers. People who are the power doubters. The people who come into your life. Maybe they came into your life earlier. Maybe they're in your life right now. And they're the kind of people who are saying to you that you don't have what it takes. You'll never measure up. You can't do that. You need to get your head out of the clouds. You need to get back down to earth. You need to get back down to reality. And there are people in your life who will steal your dream. I remember uh, Jack Canfield told a story. He's an author. And he told a story about a high school senior. And uh, he was to write a paper about what he envisioned his future to look like. Well, it just so happened that his dad was a horse rancher and he raised horses and, and, and he did, did all of this. And, and, and so he traveled all over the United States, which meant he was moving from school to school to school. And this high school year, he was asked to write this paper about what's his dream? What's your vision? What do you see in the future? And so he wrote this paper, and he says, what I envision is a a 200-acre ranch. And I I picture, you know, lots of horses and lots of stables and and a racing track. And I picture a 4,000-square-foot ranch. And he designed the whole thing out, and he laid it out, he wrote it out, and he turned the paper in. And the next day, the teacher turned the paper back to him, and there was an F on it with the note, come and see me after class. And so after class, the next day, he went to see the teacher. And the teacher said to him, your dream is unrealistic. Your dream is unrealistic. I'll reconsider your grade if you'll reconsider your dream. And so the kid goes home, and and he tells his dad the situation. He tells his dad the story. And the dad is pretty wise as a father. He knew he better not say too much, but this is what he said. He says, son, it's your grade, and it's your dream. And that's all he said. And so the kid sat on it for about a week, and then he went back to the teacher. And after class that day, he turned the paper back in, and he said to the teacher, and I love this, you can keep your F, and I'll keep my dream. I love that. And I'm telling you, some of you have people in your life, they're dream stealers, they're power doubters, they're the people in your life saying you can't do it. And there may be some people in your life that you need to look them in the eye and say, you can keep your F and I'm going to keep my dream. I, I would not have moved here if I'd listened to the dream stealers to start a church. My wife and I wouldn't have moved here 27 years ago because there were people in our life who said, "You don't have the personality. You don't have you don't have what it takes to go and start a church." And had I listened to the power doubters, I wouldn't be here today. And, and fortunately, God brought into my life some people who said, you can do this. You can do this. If you go to the book of Numbers, you'll read the story of where the children of Israel were, you know, given the promised land. I mean, they were given the land. It was already theirs. All they had to do is like move into the thing. And so they're outside the promised land, and the, and the deal was go send spies just to check it out, just kind of see what's going on. And so the spies went in. They came back. You remember the story? Ten of them came back and said, it's impossible. We can't do it. We look look like grasshoppers in their sight. You'll see it in Numbers chapter 13. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. And ten of the 12, except for Joshua and Caleb, ten of the 12, they said, we can't do it. It can't be done. And as a result of that, they wandered another 40 years in the desert. And their dream, their reality was literally right in front of them. And they wandered another 40 years. All of those died and they never saw, they never went into the promised land. What's your dream? What's your dream? I hope that you're not listening to the wrong voices who are telling you you can't do it because with God, you can do a whole lot more than you think you can. Here's number two we've reduced faith to the predictable. We've reduced faith down to the predictable. We've reduced it down to what we can measure, we've reduced it down to what we can calculate. And if we can't calculate it, then we don't do it because after all, you wouldn't do something that you can't figure out ahead of time. Yeah, there are times you need to count the cost, but there are times where you need to do the, the, uh, the, what you can't explain. Because what, what you're going to find is going to be true in life is that either the predictableness is going to push out faith or faith is going to push out the predictable, but, but you can't have both. You cannot have a vibrant faith that's going to take you into new territory with God if you have to be able to answer every question and calculate every problem and solve every and get every answer before you do so. And and so you've got to live with, with one or the other. But, but if you're going to follow Jesus, I, I just believe that, that he's always moving us and taking us into places where you can't figure out all the answers and you don't have all the answers and you have to trust and you have to move, move forward in that way. You see, predictability is okay, except for when it comes to faith. When your faith becomes predictable, then it's boring. And, it's, and when it's boring, eventually it's going to be a drudgery. And life is just gonna be the same old thing over and over because you're not trusting God. You're not taking steps of faith where you have to move into something new, where you have to trust God. Here's number three, we've lost focus. We've lost focus. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have actually ever stepped into an elevator and you forgot to push the button? Anybody ever do that? Good, I'm glad it wasn't just me. And I've done it multiple times. It's not just once, but numerous times. And don't you feel like the biggest idiot when you do that? You do. You feel like the biggest idiot, and you don't realize it until you realize, oh, my gosh, we're not moving here. And it's about that time that the door is open and somebody walks in, and here you are, you know, like trying to look cool, but you're an idiot because you forgot to push the button. Well, sometimes life can be like that. You know, you forget to push the button. You forget. You've got a lot of technology. You've got a lot of you've God behind you. But you don't push the button because we get distracted, and so what distracts us from hearing God is the noise of life. It's, it's the noise. It's the busyness of life. Maybe for you it's the blast of busyness, and you're so busy that you can't possibly hear God's voice. Maybe it's the pounding of possessions, and possessions has just it's it's it's, uh, it's it's it has you in prison. Now, I I love what um, uh, Mike Iaconelli said in his book, Dangerous Wonder. He says, when our possessions possess us, risk and adventure become impossible. And so maybe it's your your possessions. Maybe it's the clamor of careers. Maybe it's the ear-piercing volume of endless activity. It's no wonder Jesus says to seek first my kingdom. Seek first me and my righteousness before you seek anything else. And I, and I love Paul when he says in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and I want to experience the, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We've got to have that focus, but sometimes we just get distracted with everything else that goes on in the world. Number four is we've settled. We've settled. What I mean by that is, is we've, we've fallen asleep in the elevator and we've just accepted life as it is and we've just settled and we've come to believe, you know, my elevator is stuck and it's always going to be stuck and I'm never going to get off the ground floor. And you settle for that. And so as a result, you settle for a boring faith, a tame faith, a measurable faith, a play it safe kind of faith. And the good news is no longer good news. It's just okay news. And there's nothing that's that's calling you to something bigger. There's nothing calling you, moving you, beckoning you to something bigger. Yet Jesus comes along in, in, in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And this is out of the message where he says, I came that they might have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Do you think your life can be better than what it is right now? Yes. It can be. It can be, but you, you can't settle. You can't settle as much as life presses you in to settle. Jesus says, I came that you can have real life, that you can have eternal life, that you can have more life, that you can have better life. I mean, why settle for a boring faith when you can have a better faith? Why settle for a boring, mundane life when you can have a better life? And you're not going to get that on the ground floor. You've got to step out into into territory that you've not been into, and so I want to take you again to a story that I've taken you to many times, and I love this story because the lessons that come out in it are so valuable for you and for me, especially along this topic of how do we rise to an adventurous kind of faith? It's the story of the disciples out on the boat. Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. We talked about this probably just five, six, seven weeks ago. And so he finished feeding them. He went off to be alone with his father. And then he, he sent them ahead of himself on the, on the lake, get in the boat and go across. And so here's, what, here's number one. In order for you and me to rise higher, here's the first thing. If Jesus says to do it, you do it. If Jesus says to do it, you do it. Okay? There's a lot of things that Jesus says and, and, and that the Bible teaches us, you know, very specifically about what we should do and what we should not do. And so if Jesus has to do it, you just do it. Sometimes it's just simple, plain obedience, unquestionable obedience. In Mark chapter 14, verse 22, Jesus made, circle that word made. Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side. In other words, Jesus told them to do this. He insisted that they do this. He compelled them to do this. These guys would never have been in the middle of that storm had Jesus not sent them into the middle of the storm. Sometimes you and I think, in order to be in God's will, then there's no suffering, there's no setbacks, there's no scars, there's no sorrow. And can I submit to you that maybe if that's the way your life is, that you're anywhere but in the center of God's will. Because when you get out there in unknown and uncharted waters and unknown territory, you're going to suffer and you're going to have setbacks. And there are going to be scars and there are going to be tears. But I would say to you that you're you're probably right in the middle of God's will. You're exactly where he wants you to be. Because you're going to come to a place where you are dependent upon him. And and you know you're being obedient because you're, you're doing what Jesus said to do. Follow people through the Bible. Old Testament or New Testament. Where did they find themselves? They found themselves in lion's dens. They found themselves in fiery furnaces. They found themselves traveling to places they'd never been, never seen, didn't even know where they were going. You found them scaling walls of cities to get away from people. You found them in prisons. You found them running for their life. I mean, that's anything but a boring life. And so, if your life is boring, then get out there and trust God for something and do something you've never done before, and things (laughs) things will get excited pretty quick. In Mark chapter 6, verse 48, you know, Jesus saw the disciples. You know, when you're out there, it doesn't mean that God doesn't see you. He still sees you. He's right with you. Here's number two, and I love this. If you're going to rise, you have to face perceived fears. You have to face perceived fears. How many of you have ever let fear keep you from doing something that you, in retrospect, you wished you would have done? You know, I think every hand probably should be going up. And and what I like about this, this story, as you read it, the disciples don't become afraid until they see Jesus. Okay, that's when they get scared. It's when they see Jesus. Why? Because they perceived him to be a ghost. And so it was nothing but a perceived fear, okay? False evidence appearing real. That's a a good definition of of, of fear. You'll read it there in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus went out to them walking on the water, on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. It was a perceived fear. This was Jesus. This wasn't a ghost. This was their master. This was their teacher. This was their... Rabbi, This was their friend, and they were afraid of him because they perceived it as something than what it really was. I think another good definition of fear is face everything and rise. Face everything and rise. You can come up with your own. Perceived fear. I was a youth pastor before uh, I became a real pastor, a senior pastor. And uh, actually, I was a youth pastor for 17 years uh, before moving here to start this church. And um, I had to overcome some fears. I, I was a, a scaredy cat as a, as a kid growing up. I was afraid of a lot of stuff. And uh, one of those things I was afraid of was roller coasters. And, and I had really, I'd, my sister would ride roller coasters. She would ride Ferris wheel. I wouldn't ride those either because they were too high. And I wouldn't ride roller coasters because they were too fast and they were scary. And so... I became a youth pastor and now I'm in Indianapolis and every year, every summer I took my youth group down to Cincinnati, Ohio. And in Cincinnati, Ohio is Kings Island, Kings Island, big amusement park and all these huge roller coasters and stuff. And so I had to face a problem. I had a big issue. I either faced the pain of riding the roller coaster or I faced the pain of being made fun of by the macho guys in the youth group. And they're calling me a chicken and a wuss and all that stuff. And so I chose the roller coaster. I said, there's just no way. I am not going to put up with the humiliation of that. And so I, I rode the roller coaster. The, the rebel yell. Anybody ever been to King's Dominion and uh, King's Island? It's King's Dominion in Virginia. And, and the rebel yell. And it's not that big of a roller coaster, but it, it, but it is one of those. You have one side that goes forward. The other way, the other way, you can sit backwards. I rode the thing and, and uh, I got off of it. I thought, gosh, what was I afraid of? It's nothing to be scared about. It was actually kind of fun. It was thrilling. It was, you know, it was fun. It was great, exhilarating and all that. So much so that I I made a deal. I made a bet with all the other guys. I said, let's see who can ride it the most. And so guess who won? I did. And I wrote it 18 times in a row. The Rebel Yell. Go check it out on on, uh, YouTube. And, and, And so I had to overcome that fear. But my question for you is, what face... Does your fear where? What are you afraid of? I I know what some of you are afraid of. You're afraid you're going to fail, and that's why you won't get off of ground floor. You're just afraid you're going to fail. If there's one thing that would have kept me from moving here 27 years ago to start this church, it was I was afraid I was going to fail. You know what the second thing was? Rejection. I was afraid... You know, who's going to like me? What if they reject me? What if they don't like my southern accent? What if they don't like my style? What if they don't like my personality and and they'll reject me? And that could have easily kept me from moving out here. I don't know. What's your fear? What's keeping you from stepping out? Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of change, fear of the unknown. What What are you holding on to? This is what I believe that you will never experience miracles in your life until you lean more into your faith and less into your fear. And some of you are leaning way too heavily into your fear. And as a result, you're staying back on the ground floor and you're staying in the safety of your boat. And if you would begin to lean more into your faith and trust God, you'd begin to see God move and work in some different ways. Do it, do it afraid. People tell me, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Listen, do it afraid. Everybody say, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Everybody say, do it ugly. Do it ugly. ugly. Sometimes you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I get, I'm uncomfortable 99.9% of the time I come up on this stage. I'm uncomfortable. But I've gotten used to it. It's a good thing. And and sometimes you just have to jump and grow wings on the way down. Sometimes you just have to step out and go for it. But stop letting fear hold you back. Here's number three. Ask Jesus to help you. You see, when you step out into the unknown, when you step out into the unpredictable, you know you're going to get to a place where you're going to say, Jesus, would you help me because I can't do this. Jesus, I can't do this. I need for you to help me do this. And that's a good place to be because if you're in a place right now in your life where you don't need Jesus to help you, which is where probably a lot of you are, you probably need to take a step of faith. And it's different for different people, okay? I know that. It's different steps for different people. For some of you, a step of faith would be to start to lead a life group. For some of you, it'd be to go on a mission trip. For some of you, it'd be to start giving 10% of your income. It's different things for different people. But if you don't need Jesus to help you, then I guarantee you, you're in a place where you need to take some kind of a step of faith. Step out there where you can, where you, you Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me. Someone said that life with God, it's, it's like playing a game of checkers. You know, you, you know, God moves and then we move. And somebody said that, that every, every day is a, is a new day. Every day with the sunrise, God looks at us and he says, okay, your turn, your move. God's given you a brand new day. What are you going to do with it that's going to communicate that I'm trusting God, I'm moving against my fear, and I'm stepping out into a place where I need Jesus to help me? Here's number four. Take the first step. Take the first step. So many times people say, well, when, when God, you know, draws me a map, you know then i'll take a step or when i've get it all figured out then then i'll take a step you know when all the resources are there then i'll take the step if you look in the bible rarely if ever does god work that way he's always saying you take the first step you move and then i'll show myself why because it's a step of faith how many of you would agree with me that the first step's the hardest step it's the hardest step to take it is the step of faith and I love this verse. I mean, I want you to circle the word come. Jesus said in Matthew 14, come. Just circle that word come. Because this is what I want you to note here. God not only sees where you are, but God sees where you can be. And he says to Peter, come. He said, God can, Jesus, can I come out and walk in the Sure, come. It's because Jesus could see, not only where Peter was, he saw where Peter could be. And Jesus sees where you can be. And, you know, we look at Peter, and and he takes this this hard step, and he abandons the, the security. He lets loose of the security of his boat. Let me ask you, what is it you need to let loose of in order for you to take this next step that you need to take? What is it you need to let loose of? For some of you, you need to let loose of fear. For some of you, you need to let loose of comfort. For some of you, you need to let loose of security. For some of you, you might need to let loose of a career. For some of you, you might need to let loose of pride. For some of you, I don't know what it is. But you know what it is that that you're holding on to. That's keeping you from taking that step that you need to take. Now, is that a a difficult step? Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult step And and do you always know what's going to happen? No, you don't. Could you possibly fail? Yes, you could. But I'll tell you what. I'd rather go through my life having taken steps of faith and failed than not having taken steps of faith and succeed. To where I never trusted God. I don't want to look back across the landscape of my life and look at a bunch of dried up, withered dreams. Things that could have been. Because I was too afraid to step out because I didn't trust God. But once you start stepping out, here's this next thing, is the last thing. To rise higher means you, you'll begin to experience Jesus all over again. You'll begin to experience him all over again. In Matthew chapter 14, and when they had climbed back into the boat, the wind had stopped and the others sat there and they were awestruck. I mean, their jaws were dropped open, their eyes were bugging out and they were awestruck and they said, you really are. The son of God. You really are the son of God. Now, this is not the first time they've met Jesus, okay? (laughs) They've been with him for two years, day in and day out for two years. And now they're saying, you really are the son of God. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you had one of those, you really are the son of God moments in your life? When's the last time you were awestruck at Jesus coming through and rescuing you at the last moment? My guess is for a lot of us, it's, it's been too long. And if you want to experience Jesus in a new way, you've got to step out of the, uh, of the boat. You've got to get off of ground floor. You've got to step into the unknown. And I don't, again, I don't know what Jesus is calling you to do or what the step is for you. You do. I've spoken about this long enough today that you know. I mean, when's the last time you had one of those, wow, Jesus, you're amazing, kind of moments in your life? Don't stay stuck on ground floor Don't stay in the comfort of your boat because you're never going to experience Jesus in a new way. You're never going to experience miracles in your life. Take the step and and trust God. Replace what you don't know about the future with what you do know about God. And step out. Replace what you don't know about the future, which is Not much. You don't know much about the future. You have to replace that with what you do know about God. I love this statement. I'm going to close with this from Mother Teresa. She said, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. That's my heart for you. You don't even know if you're going to have tomorrow. You got right now. I would suggest let's get started. Let's begin living an adventurous faith because Jesus is alive. We've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven and the future starts right now. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head as we begin to close out today. I'm going to ask you this question. What do you need to let loose of? What do you need to surrender in order for you to fully follow Jesus? For some of you, it'll be your first step. To follow Jesus. For some of you, it'll be a step that you haven't taken in a long time. But what do you need to, to let loose of? Do you need to let loose of your fear? Do you need to let loose of your pride? Do you need to let loose of a, a possession? Do you need to let loose of a career? Do you need to let loose of comfort? Well, I don't know. What do you need to let loose of in order to fully embrace faith and to follow Jesus into the unpredictable? It's frightening, yes, but it's rewarding also because you get to have one of those you really are the son of God moments. For those of you who've never given your life to Jesus and you desire to do that, I'm going to ask if you would repeat this simple prayer after me. And for those of you who've made the decision as a statement of your own recommitment, would you also pray with me this prayer? Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being my Lord and Savior. I pray this in your name. Amen.